All right, we are back. And joining me, as he typically does on during the regular season, because we've never done this uh, on the postseason side uh, of things, but joining me, as he typically does on Eagles pregame shows here on Talking Philly Sports, Matty B, is my main man, the, uh, well, he's a 94 WIP show producer, and he is also the uh, host and co-creator of the Birds IQ podcast that you can see here on the EdgeOfPhillySports.com. Kyle Quinn, welcome. Happy playoffs, man. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, unfortunately, 2020 happened and uh, we didn't get an opportunity to do it last year. But Kyle, we're not focused on 2020 anymore, right? Nope, nope we're not. We are not. We are focused on the beyond, which is 2021. And Kyle, in less than in about 24 hours, a little bit over, we the Philadelphia Eagles will do battle against the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And before we get into that, Kyle, which we're going to talk about in extent, I got to turn the clock back and not necessarily about Dallas because I don't think anybody really cared about that game. I know I did not. And I know I don't think you did either. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the season, the regular season in general for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to do it kind of in a in, in a order, an organized fashion. And the first question I have for you, Kyle Quinn, about the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021 is who is your offensive MVP? Yeah, and actually my offensive MVP is kind of on lines with that. It's not a player, but it's a position group, and I'm going to give it to the entire offensive line. Um, obviously, we were not, we would not be here uh, if it hadn't been for them, correct? Yeah, I mean, you could even give it to Jeff Stoutland if you wanted to. Yeah, uh, yeah because Jeff Stoutland is the one who picked out Jordan Mailata, not Howie Roseman. So anyway, moving on. Kyle. Yes, and I'm really sure that – the other teams in the NFL that they traded with in the seventh round were really keying in on the Jordan Mailata pick, you know? So I'm going to well, give. If they weren't, then that's still on them for not doing their due diligence. And good on Howie Jeff Stallin. Yeah, okay. No, good on Jeff Stallin. All right, moving on, Kyle, to the other side of the ball. Kyle, is there a defensive MVP for this team? Um, and, and if so, who is it? So you mentioned the snub, and for those of you who do not know, the All-Pro selections came out last yesterday, I believe, and Darius Slay received one vote for All-Pro. But the Eagles did place uh, Jason Kelsey on first-team All-Pro and Lane Johnson on second-team All-Pro. But uh, Darius Slay, who took to Twitter to voice his displeasure, uh, did you happen to see any of those tweets that he did? As he always does, yeah, of course. Okay. Are you concerned that he's more concerned about himself than the team? Slay seems to have no issue with 
being really public about them. And, I mean, as long as uh, his play is, you know, if he plays the way he did, he can concern himself with lock, with, uh, with with his lockdown stats as long as it's uh, leading to wins on the field. I'm concerned with him locking down Mike Evans uh, more than his stats, uh, personally. But that's just me. Uh, I'm a team first kind of guy, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how you couldn't be. I mean, I'm sure it kind of goes hand in hand, right? I'm sure him locking down Mike Evans goes well with his personal goals, and it certainly helps us give us a chance to win against Tampa Bay. So I would not mind if he locked down Mike Evans. Absolutely. Either would I. Kyle, now moving on to my final question about the Philadelphia Eagle 2021 season. It's on a personal level, Kyle. Your answer will be different than mine. My answer will be different than yours. Have the Philadelphia Eagles met, exceeded, or failed to meet your expectations? Yeah, well, uh, they actually kind of met mine because uh, I had them at 10 and 7 and a playoff win. Now, I did have them as the division winner. I guess that, that's more of the uh, underestimating Dallas as opposed to overestimating the Eagles. Um, they were 9 and nine and 7 at one point, and they could have, you know, they had a chance yeah. to go 10 and 7, but the game was meaningless. They locked up playoffs. I, I consider that virtually the same thing as going 10 and 7 big for playoffs. Um, so I, I would have to say that they met my expectations for sure. Okay. And I'm going to say that they uh, actually have not met mine, and I'm going to tell you why, because I way back when I had them at a pathway to 13 wins. And I am concerned that they only won nine. And I got it. The 10th game could be debatable. But I am concerned that they only won nine. And I am very concerned that they only beat one team over 500 or or 500 or better. That is a concern of mine. So I'm going to say that they have not met my expectations. It doesn't mean I have not, um, and I'm not going to use the word entertained because I have not been entertained up to this point. But I've enjoyed watching them to a certain extent. But they have not met my expectations, Kyle. So uh, your, your second uh, concern is definitely a valid one about you know not beating teams over 500. This is going to be a huge measuring stick when it comes to that. Um, to your first point, I mean, you just set outrageous expectations. Let's be honest. I mean, you pick a four-win team to win 13 games in the next year. Yeah. Uh, that's a that, that's a pretty tall order. It is. So I, I mean, I, I I definitely understand where you would see face if they didn't meet your expectations, but your expectations is crazy. Well, my expectations, if I if you look at the schedule, Kyle. And the, the quality of opponent that were on the schedule. And we actually benefited from that on the back end of the schedule, not so much on the front end. On the front end was where all the work had to be done. And I and I, I recognize that. That's why I was never committed to 13 wins. I said there was a pathway to it. Now, obviously, it took the Eagles a little longer to figure themselves out on the football field. Uh, but, you know, when you look at games like the 49ers, which I honestly think that was a win. And I got it way back in week two. That first game against the Giants, that's a win, Kyle. I mean, that, they got to win games like that. Uh, and that, to me, that's, to me, the reason why they haven't met my expectations. Now, as I said, I'm not destroyed about it, but, uh, you know, that's just how I feel. Well, well I mean, the, and that's kind of exactly, the way you put it is exactly how it is and exactly why I set my expectations where I did. And, you know, those exact reasons that they were a young team, young coach, they're figuring out ways to win. And, and those games that they dropped at the beginning of the season, yeah, they were working out themselves, working out the kinks. And games against the Giants that they lose later in the season, yeah, I mean, that's inexcusable. But those are the type of games that young, young teams will lose. That was uh, kind of the expectation that I set going into the season. And I think they pretty much stayed the course. I think they, and as far as what how you're putting it, Kyle, you seem to have been spot on. So good, good job. Congratulations. All right, moving on. Let's now focus our attention to tomorrow afternoon and in Tampa in balmy, rainy, 70-degree Tampa, Florida. Tomorrow at game time, the Eagles and Buccaneers. Uh, Eagles going with their uh, midnight greens and the Buccaneers going with their traditional white tops. 
Uh, Kyle Quinn, as we get ready for this game, all the talk this week has been basically Tom Brady versus the Eagles. I've heard so many Super Bowl reflections over the last week on your on Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. I didn't want to single you guys out, but on Sports Talk Radio in general. I, I feel that we're kind of looking at this thing in the wrong way because two different teams, right, Kyle? Yeah. So as we look at this game, and then let's get right into the injury report. Uh, a couple of things that I want to point out in this injury report. It looks pretty good for the Eagles. Uh, we do have some issues with Nate Herbig dealing with an ankle. And then, of course, the big one is Josh Sweat dealing with some sort of illness. How key, Kyle, is Josh Sweat playing in this game for the Eagles, especially on the defensive side? Now, Kyle, there is one really bad, bad news story that came out of the injury report this week, and that is the uh, addition of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Kyle, I, I fear that we might be seeing the last days of number 19, uh, and uh, I want to know what your feelings are about that. Yeah, I guess, yeah, next man up, right? <laughs> All right, so on the Tampa side, uh, they they themselves have a little bit of a different, um, you, you, they're already ruling out uh, <laughs> Krill Grayson, who she burst on the scene, I think, last week, and now he's out, uh, wide receiver. Ronald Jones, the running back, though, that's somewhat key. He will not play. Uh, Carlton Davis and Sean Bunting and Justin uh, Watson are all questionable. Um, you know, talk to me about Tampa. I know that the big story has been Tampa is dealing with some issues. Obviously, Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard, uh, they're all kind of banged up a little bit. Uh, the wide receiver core is a little bit banged up. They're without Antonio Brown, got all that. But who does this injury report come out on? What, what side, what team is ahead here? What do you think it makes out better? Well, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's hard to say Tampa just because of the sheer amount of guys that are on the list. And- can't really say the Eagles just because the sheer amount of guys are not. Yeah. Um, the, the Bucks are dealing with a lot of guys banged up and questionable. Now, whether they play or not, you know, still doesn't necessarily mean that they're just, you know, back and magically the yeah. guys that they were before. Um, they're still probably going to be a step behind or, you know, 80%, something like that. So the, uh, it definitely works in the Eagles' favor. Now, uh, it, it definitely hurts when you look at, you know, when you looked at this game about like a week ago or right before the Dallas game, you're thinking, oh, they could be without Shaq Barrett, Monte David, yep. uh, JPP, you know, Fournette, Gio Bernard, stuff like that. But now it looks like all those guys looking at the back on the field. And, you know, for a guy like Jonathan Gannon, who I think at this point probably needs all the help he can get with game planning, especially against a quarterback like Brady, uh, the, the fewer amount of weapons that they have out there, the better. And, you know, so yeah, and I've, again, I've heard people rationalize this thing all the way up and down using injuries. The weather has been coming into the question. Everyone's trying to pull something out that they can to kind of benefit the Eagles. And I understand why when you look at just, you know, defending Super Bowl champions and whatnot. But, Kyle, let's get to the game. Um, tomorrow, what do you think is going to go down uh, there in Tampa? Uh, how do you think this thing works out? So uh, I think we're definitely going to be able to get it going on offense a lot better than we did in the first game. And I know we ended up, you know, only losing by six points, but those were garbage time points. Um, I think it's probably going to be a lot closer 
than it was in the first game. It's going to feel close probably till the very end. But I just don't know if Gannon's going to have enough on defense uh, to, to be able to beat Brady. I think he'll put a better showing out than he has uh, against the good quarterbacks in the beginning of the season. I, I definitely think we'll see that the defense has taken a little bit of a step, and it was not just the result of them playing uh, a bunch of weak opponents on the schedule. But I, I just don't know if we're going to have enough to muscle them out down in Tampa. I, I, so uh, I, I don't think we're going to come out of there with a win, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I look at this kind of in the same way. I think offensively we can go back and forth uh, with Tampa. I think we can go offense to offense, but you're right. It's going to always – and it's always come down to the defense all season long. I, and I don't know – you know, I'm quick to kind of throw John Gannon on the bus. This is like anybody else's. But I just don't know if he's got the talent on that side of the ball to, yeah. put, to, to kind of compete with a team like the Buccaneers or the Packers or anybody else that matter in the playoffs. And I think he's actually done – for what he's been dealing with, He's done an okay job. Uh, I'm not, you know, don't don't quote me on saying that I want him back or that I don't wish him well as a head coach somewhere else. But um, I I agree. I think it's going to come down to that. Uh, But you know what, Kyle? It's the Eagles. (coughs) Sorry. It's Tampa Bay. It's Tom Brady. uh, And it's in the rain. Things happen in the rain. In the rain that are weird. I like the Eagles. Yeah. Um, we know that this offense is best when it's you know playing from out in front and they can run the ball and be physical and, and you know uh, control the clock, control the tempo. Um, if they get out to you know an early hole and they're kind of digging themselves out of it and the wind's affecting them, then you know obviously that can be devastating. If we're talking rain, we're talking obviously situations with holding on to the football. And when we look at the Eagles, we already got some concerns with Dallas Goddard. We got some concerns with Miles Sanders when he's fully healthy, not coming back from a broken hand. So there are obvious, you know, questions about the Eagles in the rain. I got that. Uh, but if I was going to play a game in the rain and the wind, I'd want to dominate that game at the line of scrimmage and play a really strong running game. And that obviously benefits the Eagles. It, it, yeah, it, it 100% does. Now, the other thing is you have to understand that Tampa Bay also has one of the best offenses. Yes. yes. So um, it, it, it could really end up just being strength versus strength. Yep. So you mentioned you don't think the win's going to happen, but what do you see as a score tomorrow, Kyle? Uh, actually, before you do that, Kyle, I want to reveal to everybody our regular season final records because you did give me a pick for last week's game, and I went with the Eagles. Uh, you went with the Cowboys, and I don't know where you came up. Well, I know where you came up with the score, but it wasn't 6 nothing. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle, you finished the season at 12-5, and and I finished at 10-7. and So congratulations, Kyle. You've taken the crown away from me, and you, are, you have won the – Pick them of 2021. Uh, I'm gonna run it back next season, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Kyle, where do you see this thing um, kind of working out? You mentioned that you don't see the Eagles winning. What's the score? Yeah, like I said, I think Todd Bowles is a smart defensive coordinator, and he's going to make things uncomfortable for Jalen Hurts, kind of, you know, flush him out to his left where he's uh, where he hasn't been comfortable throwing the ball. He's, he's going to try and take away the inside run in the middle of the field. Uh, I just think we're not going to have – enough on offense to compete with Brady, and I think the defense isn't going to be able to keep up either. But I do think it'll be a closer affair than it was in the first game. Uh, not necessarily by score, but just by feel, and I think we're going to lose 27-21. Yeah, I like the Eagles 27-24. Okay. Like yeah, it. I think that's something. I think we, uh, uh, you know, we, we deal with what, everything you said with. I think it goes back and forth. I think it is a line of scrimmage type of football game, and I like Jake Elliott, who's had a very solid, quiet season 
Uh, he's going to come up big for us at the end of that game. I, I really see that happening. That would be awesome. Yeah, if he comes in and Jake Elliott's foot, I have the utmost confidence. Yes. So I like Eagles 27-24, uh, but I can definitely see it 48-10 to 10 Buccaneers. So <laughs> as the 2021 Eagles season continues. All right, Kyle, MVP of the game. Who walks off that field feeling the best about themselves tomorrow? Yeah, it's a real leader right there. I'm going to go Jake Elliott. Again, the aforementioned foot of Jake Elliott. I, I like that. Jake Elliott is my MVP of tomorrow's game. Okay. You're going to ask my three keys? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez, I skipped over that, Kyle. So if the Eagles do win, Kyle Quinn, what are the Eagle three keys to victory? Yeah, so uh, they're, they're obviously going to have to play a much different game on defense than they did the first week. Um, Jonathan Gannon's going to have to disguise his coverages, disguise his defense. I mean, you, you know, Tom Brady's, I'm going to give you one of the Brady cliches there, he's seen it all. And if you look at some of the games where Brady was defeated, that's the two games against the Saints, they did it with an elite defense, which we don't have, and uh, disguising their coverages, which, you know, we can do if we have a smart enough defensive coordinator. So they're going to have to, you know, pretend like you're sending blitz, pull some guys back, or vice versa, you know, stuff like that, just to kind of get Brady, uh, you know, a little bit uncomfortable because he gets the ball, uh, I think, the fastest in the entire league. And Brady's not really a guy who's making off-schedule plays with his feet. We know he's not a very mobile quarterback. Um, so the longer we can make Brady hold on to the ball, the better chance that we have on defense. Um, we're also not going to be able to afford to start off slow on offense. And I think, uh, excuse me, that uh, we've mentioned this a lot at the top of the show, is that the offense the last few weeks, even against uh, like teams like the Giants and the football team, yeah. um, they got off the slow starts, and you can't afford to do that. This is not Garrett Gilbert and Washington's backups. This is not no. Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon. Uh, this is Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champs. So do not get out the slow starts because you want to be able to play your game on offense. And then finally, uh, make sure your defense is getting off the field on third downs. I mean, Tom Brady in the last game was just eating up the clock in the whole game with 14 play drives uh, and just killing us. And, you know, our, our defense is getting super tired. You cannot let that happen in this game. So you're going to have to get off the field on third down and, and just limit the amount of possessions for Brady because this game, the way we're going to win, is going to be all about controlling the tempo. We can control the tempo by uh, being on the field as little as possible on defense as much as possible on offense. Yeah, Kyle, uh, my three keys of victory are kind of on line with yours. I mean, we're pretty much simpatico here today. But, uh, you know, one of the things when I was thinking about this game that really perplexed me was, you know, thinking back to that week five, whatever it was, matchup that they had. Uh, you know, I know the Eagles have changed. And it, you know, a lot of talk has been about the renaissance. The Eagles offense has, has gone under since then, which is correct. But the one thing that hasn't really changed is the Eagle defense. It's still the same as it was then, and it really is kind of – you know, limped along all season long, uh, making adjustments sometimes too late, sometimes just in the nick of time, and sometimes they had a good game plan, but whatever. But uh, that has definitely been an issue uh, that needs to be addressed in the offseason, and we'll get to that much later on. But my my three keys to Eagles victory, as you mentioned it, I think my third key is the defense. Uh, we got to figure out matchups. Who is going to cover Ron, uh, uh, Gronkowski? I mean, it, ain't, it better not be Singleton. It better not be Alex Singleton trying to cover Gronkowski coming at, coming off that line. I don't know who covers Gronkowski. I really don't. Do you move uh, McLeod over? And I, you know, I mean, what do you think, Kyle? Who do you who's covering Gronk? Probably like to do is 
going to need to give him extra uh, extra attention. So I'd probably go Edwards and McLeod on him. But then the issue there is that uh, the Bucks can also beat with Cameron Bray. Cameron yeah. Bray's not like really a slouch. You no, know, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, but if he gets open, uh, he, he's definitely a big and reliable target for Tom Brady. So maybe that would be the guy you put Singleton on. But uh, but Rob Gronkowski, I, I probably don't want uh, Singleton to have anything to do with him. I probably double him up with. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's interesting that this is uh, obviously we're talking adjusting things down the road, and linebacker is one of the big adjustments that needs to be made. But my second key to Eagle victory uh, is the Eagle offense controlling, as you mentioned, the line of scrimmage, the ball, the clock, everything. Keep the best way to keep Tom Brady from hurting you is to keep him keeping him off the field. Uh, long, long sustained drives that result in touchdowns, not field goals. Another tendency that this, this team has had lately is not being able to connect with a touchdown. They move up and down the field, but then they stall somewhere around the 25-yard line. Those field goals got to be touchdowns. So a, a, a controlled game by the offense. And my number one key to victory <clears throat> is Jalen Hurts. It's been that way all, you know, basically that's been my number one key all season long. Jalen Hurts continuing to step out of the shadows. And what better way, Kyle Quinn, than Jalen Hurts to burst onto the playoff scene then winning his first playoff game while his predecessor is once again going home without the playoffs in Carson Wentz. How, would that not be perfect? I mean, it'd be great. I mean, we're looking at, you know, what, what's like the anti-Wentz right now. If he goes in, actually, he'll be in, in his first playoff start. He will be three months younger than Carson Wentz was when he made his NFL debut. So think about that. Yes. So, and that, um, that would... That's a narrative that's keeping me sleeping at night because I kind of think that might work out that way because as we mentioned this before, back in Washington, if Carson Wentz is our quarterback, that railing falls on Carson Wentz, right? No doubt about it, right? No, Jalen Hurts definitely has a lot more good. So if we can ride Carson for one more, one more, I I definitely want to do it, but those are my three keys to Eagle victory. And my MVP of the game, oh, I already mentioned that. It would be Jake Kelly. All right. Kyle, let's move on to the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts and the Miami Dolphins for one last check-in. We are not going to do this ever again on this show, but we got to check in on it one more time because right now, as it bounces out in the draft, we are picking 15, courtesy of Miami, and 16, courtesy of the Colts. Let's talk about Miami. Obviously, when you start out 0-7 and you're projected to have a top-five draft pick, you get kind of excited. You don't anticipate them going 9-1 and the rest of the way and pulling themselves out of that, and then firing their head coach out of nowhere, um, which is weird. Uh, but how, how do you liken the, the return value on the uh, Miami Dolphin first-round pick? Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, it's obviously not the top three picks that we were projecting in the first uh, eight weeks of the season, really. Nobody uh, would have projected a historic turnaround and a historic firing to follow it, but yeah, I mean, all things considered, you know, I've been thinking about where a couple of weeks ago we were like, oh, Miami could end up in the playoffs. Um, uh, so number 15, all yep. things considered, honestly, is not that bad, especially considering that you end up with Devontae Smith out of this one. And then, of course, you look at the number 16 pick, and that was secured to us via. Now, I don't know, Kyle, if you watched this, because I did once I saw the end of that game, the Colts lost last week to the Jacksonville Jaguars in typical Carson Wentz fashion. Uh, at his press conference at the end of the game, Kyle, if you shut your eyes and we're listening to that press conference, you would think oh, it was 2018 God. or 19. It was no, the same. Right. It was the, I got to be better. Yep. Fix, fix the little things, you know. But, but he always, but the thing is, he'll never change. No. And he's even said 
That's my point. Well, again, it, 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 my point of that all is that he keeps saying it. He obviously understands there's a problem, but you're right. He's doing absolutely nothing to fix it. Now, that's not our problem anymore, and thank you for not making the playoffs because it gave us the 16th overall pick versus, say, a, you know, top, a bottom 20, you know, somewhere in there. But the question, and I'm going to go right ahead to the question of the week because it, it lines up with Carson Wentz. It's two-parter. Is Carson Wentz a starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts in 2022? And the second part of that question is, is Carson Wentz out of the NFL in 2023? So, I mean, obviously, I, I can't say definitively for either, but I'm just hearing uh, the way that Frank Wright has spoken about Carson Wentz, the way that Ursay has spoken about the team, the way that Chris Ballard, the general manager, has spoken about Carson Wentz. I mean, think about this. Like, everyone was like, oh, Chris Ballard, like, great, you know, great general manager, Colts you know, build up a nice, great team. They've had some good drafts, stuff like that. And he just got freaking hosed by Howie Roseman. I mean, he just got traded the worst quarterback in football in 2020 and gave up a first and a third-round pick only to have the guy stink pretty much just as badly as he did the year before. I mean, that whole thing blew up in his face in monumental fashion. And to hear the way that those guys have spoken about him as this season, um, I mean, they're – they're about as non-committal as you could possibly be, which is surprising, if you ask me, to be completely honest with you. I thought Wright would have at least had his back. It doesn't look like he's going to be their, their quarterback, and if he's not, I don't really know what a, an appropriate home for him would be. Because, Denver. You know, if, if Frank Wright couldn't fix him up, I don't know anyone around the league who thinks that they possibly can, because, you know, not that Wright was this like, all-knowing quarterback guru, but he was his guy, right? I mean, he, he got the best out of him, is what everyone thinks, in 2017, and they had a great relationship, and, I mean, if that's not working out, I don't know where it will. Denver, with their new unknown head coach. Yeah. I mean, it's closer to his hometown. I, I'm i trying to get him close, back to North Dakota, where he's from, he's so... Well, not really. If you kind of look at the map, there's a lot of land in between Indianapolis or Indiana and North Dakota. But I honestly don't think he'll be the starting quarterback in Indianapolis. He won't be the the. This is the road to Carson Wentz's undoing when you don't get his back like that. This is where it all started here. No one had his back allegedly in the press or whatever, which they didn't. Uh, well, they did actually, but then they lost it. But this is where Carson Wentz unravels, and I don't think he'll be back next year with the Colts. And I don't think he'll be in football in 23. I think he's got one more shot, and that's wherever that's going to be in 22. And that'll be the end of Carson Wentz. You know, I don't think his ego really allows him to be a backup. Somewhere. No, it doesn't. So, so like, if he's not going to be a starter somewhere, you're right. I mean, he's got a family. He's got billions of dollars. Why not just call it, call it a career? Yeah, call it a career. And, you know, one of the biggest hose jobs uh, that ever happened in the NFL. Now, I want to I want to mention one more thing that you said, and we're going to move off this because this is not about Howie Roseman today. We'll save that for another day. But I don't really see how Howie Roseman was the great genius here in this this whole equation. I, I believe Carson Wentz was telling Howie where he wanted to be traded and Howie was just working out a trade with the Colts. Now, granted, the conditional turning into a first, that was, yeah, I'll give something to that. But, I mean, I don't. I'm not prepared to give Howie Roseman any kind of credit on turning this into a magical trade for the Eagles. None. Absolutely none. I think you just kind of made my point for me. No, no. trade a guy, Matt, where other teams know that the guy will only go to one specific place. I right. Mean, the, other, the other place has all the leverage in that 
that scenario. And they did. And they, they still got a great haul for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz turned out to stink. And as Rocky Balboa says, man, it's not about how hard to get hit. Oh, now we're going with that. Now we're now. Howie Roseman is. Uh, oh God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Again. We're, oh yeah, he's gotten back about five times. So all right. Now here's the deal. As I said, I just don't think you know it was pretty easy in terms of obviously who he was going to because Carson Wentz was navigating that. He wasn't going to Howie Rosen wasn't going to flip Carson Wentz to the Jacksonville Jaguars for you know, four first round, future first round picks. That wasn't happening. Carson wanted to go somewhere specific. What's that? That makes it harder for No, I disagree. I totally disagree. But I got what you're saying there, but I don't, I disagree with the leverage factor. I think it was a matter of fair value in exchange for a quarterback. I honestly do. That's why the conditional tag was there. The Indianapolis Colts weren't... What's that? Right now it worked out. It was a 50-50 shot. He got lucky. A la 2017. All right? Yes. Because all the good stuff is outnumbered by the bad. I mean, come on. All right. We're turning this in. Kyle, we're going down the road. I don't want to go. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. Anyway, Kyle, quick. Listen, that's going to do it for me, and that's all the time I got. I got some things I got to do. I know you got a busy day and a couple days ahead of you. Kyle, I hope that I definitely want you back next week, win, lose, or draw, to either wrap this season up or can talk about the uh, Green Bay Packers, one or the other. Kyle, it's a pleasure talking with you. Go Birds, and have a great weekend, man. You got it, buddy. I hope to talk about it next week. All right. See you later, Kyle. All right, that was Kyle Quinn joining me, as he always does. That, my friends, is going to do it for me. Let's go, Birds. We got playoffs. We got Tom Brady. We got the wild card. Go Birds. Let's get a victory.